we go. Am I on? I am on. Good. That's okay. Well, I'm going to start out today by reading the scripture text that we're going to be talking about um, from Luke 9. On the return, the apostles told them all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew to a town called Bethsaida. And when the crowd learned of it, they followed him and they welcomed him and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. And now the day began to wear away and the twelve came and said to him, send away the crowd and grow to the surrounding villages and countrysides and find lodging and get provision for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go and buy some food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of 50 each. And so they did so and had them all sit down. And taking the loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he blessed over them. And he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples and set them before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. It's so good to be with all of you this morning. You know, if I don't tell you enough, I want to tell you, I think, Crosswinds, that you are doing a, a wonderful job. And I am extremely thankful for all of you. I know that I constantly, as I preach, challenge you to follow closer and to go fish. And it's simply because I constantly see the, the, the spiritual need that is out there in our community. And the Holy Spirit convicts me so much, and I don't feel at rest until the job is complete. See, our mission here as a church is to help every family discover God, His love, and His ways. And friends, that's an impossible task. I'm going to tell you right there. That's an impossible task to, to complete. But we serve a God who can do the impossible. Amen? One of my flaws is I can be so focused sometimes on the mission that I can forget to stop and praise God for what he is doing. So here's a couple things I want to praise God. I'd like to highlight just to encourage us today. You know, on a monthly basis, 71 people over this last year through the pandemic have been here worshiping with us. Now, I want to say it doesn't always look like that because some are at home. Some of you are at home right now, and some of you are in other countries, in Africa and England. Um, and some are on vacation. So it doesn't always look that, that like there's 71 of us together. I do my best to track who is with us because people count. You know, it really helps when you are um, away from here to say hi on social media so I can count you. But I do try to count everybody. You know, there's at least 15 or 20 people that watch every week that I, I just don't know who they are unless they say hi. And throughout the week, another at least double that add into the number. Um, you know, worship attendance has been very stable for us, you know, throughout the pandemic. It just feels different. You know, we've baptized, you know, six people during this pandemic year, and we've added nine people to our membership. So as a church, we're still growing. 
you know, our children's ministry is now up and running, and it has been for quite a few months now. And Tracy and Michelle, as our new leaders there, are, are doing a phenomenal job. Let's, let's give them a big hand. And we have a wonderful group of youth in our church. They, they, all of them have been solid in attending each week. And, and now this summer, they are kicking butt with the uh, whole summer program. And every week, there's more numbers and more guests. I mean, to think about it, 42 people at our last event, with 19 of them being guests, um, Abdu and Cleone are doing a great job as, as youth leaders and the others that were there. And, uh, you know, our AV production team, we have new leaders like Jason and Danielle that are just fantastic in, in putting all this together. Um, my uh, uh, new uh, um, ministry uh, leaders, uh, there's a new ministry, there, our online digital ministry. And if you're online, you see what they do. Catherine out in England and Brenda and Kathy are doing a wonderful job as our digital ambassadors. And so I, I just think they're doing great. And Jeremy has one of the most mature um, uh, worship teams we've ever had at Crosswinds. There's no divas on the team, not at all. There's, there's not. We've had divas. No, Emil, I know you've got fancy hair, but you're not a diva. And so we, we don't have any, any, any divas. So Jeremy's doing a great job with them. And, uh, and then we have uh, Marcy uh, on our hospitality and, and Chris with First Impressions doing a great job. And new leaders like Barry coming on and helping out in those. They're doing wonderful there. And, and, and in March, we had five, five of our members go to Kenya, Africa. Uh, and we shared the gospel with 6,000 school kids. And Rena and Andre have been to Africa at least two or three more times since we went there. And they've been sharing the gospel with thousands of more people in Africa. And they're just getting out there and, and, and doing the things. Simon, our bike guy, um, gave away 42 bikes to kids that needed them. And uh, he only had 24 to start, but God multiplied the bikes, and he was able to give away 42, which was amazing. And, and Tracy pulled off a successful clothing exchange where we, we served 65 families, um, uh, and, and she did a great job with her team pulling that off. And we, we packed 10,000 meals and sent them to Haiti this year during the pandemic. Um, you, you guys have been faithful giving you know, we're a little bit behind our budget, but we're paying our bills. Friends, that's amazing to me that, that God has blessed us, and we need to praise God. Let's praise God for all that he is doing in our church. You know, if some of you feel tired, there's a reason. You've been working hard. You've been working hard for Jesus. You know, I often meet people on the street that are surprised that churches are still open. <laughs> they're surprised that we're still doing stuff by God's grace it's amazing what you've accomplished through a challenging year and I want you to know that even though I'm always still pushing you I love you and I push you because I love you and I'm proud of you and I know that that pushing is the right thing because in our text today Jesus is pushing some tired disciples to teach them something about God's compassion and provision. The message today is more abundant than. So please turn your Bible to Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 10. And it, it says this, On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done 
and he took them and withdrew to a, a town called Bethsaida. Now, the 12 apostles had come home from working hard. They were out fishing, having gospel conversations with the people of Galilee, and they were so effective in their work that the ruler of the region, Herod, took notice. Jesus had become famous in the region of about 200 to 800,000 people because their apostles, they were out there working. And, 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 and those disciples took nothing with them but the gospel, and God supplied everything they needed for their work. Beloved, we need to remember that. To keep it simple and focus on just following Jesus in faith and, and his gospel and, and, and fishing and having gospel conversations. Keeping it simple. Now, word spread as they went out. And they were the church. Friends, this place is not the church. This is property. You know, you're the church. And we need to be the church. You know, I got this text from Abdu this week. Um, it said, I don't know where he got it. It says, somewhere we got accustomed to having church and we forgot to be the church. We need to be the church. So did you go out this week and be the church? Did you cast a smile? Did you make a new friend? Did you encourage someone? Did you pray for someone? Did you have a gospel conversation? How was fishing? You know, I was out in a lake last night in a boat having gospel conversations. I was fishing. I didn't throw a single line in the water, but I was fishing with people. Are you having gospel conversations? Our, our, our text... Today, the, the disciples were tired, and, and, and Jesus brought them somewhere now to, to, to rest, a town called Bethsaida. Now, Bethsaida means house of fish. Sounds like a comfortable place to bring a bunch of fishermen to relax. Our Sunday morning worship time is a time where our family can get together in a comfortable place with Jesus and celebrate all that God is doing. That's why we're celebrating this morning what we're doing. Uh, this comes from being after in the world all week, being fishermen. Then we come back and we celebrate what we've done. See, the house of fish is where fishermen bring fish once they're caught. But in the American church, we often try to use a church building as a place to catch fish. But buildings are not meant to catch fish. People are meant to catch fish. Jesus had his fishermen out fishing in homes and on the street. And then they came to the house of fish to rest and to celebrate with each other what God had done all week. Let me give you an analogy. Let's say you were walking around an outdoor festival. And some man was out there handing out flyers for his restaurant that had some amazing orange chicken. You know, maybe one out of a thousand people would go get themselves some orange chicken. Probably those that already loved orange chicken. But what if that same guy had a pot heated with little toothpicks of orange chicken as samples and he was handing those out? Now, probably you'd walk up and people would be walking up and grabbing those samples of orange chicken. They would smell the savory meat and they would get excited. And they, would, they would take 
uh, a sample of the orange chicken and probably some of them would get a little hungry and they would go to the restaurant if it was close by for lunch. You know, most people in the American church today are trying to be like the first guy with the flyer. Inviting people to church. And most people out there today don't love church. Most people don't know what a church is. Really, they have an idea. See, real fishing is being orange chicken yourself. You're the sample. You're right in front of them. If you're following Jesus, there's some savory aroma of the Holy Spirit all over you. Should be wafting around. Why would you expect them to go to where to get something that they're not looking for unless they already love orange chicken, they love Jesus? They need to learn about Jesus from you. You're the sample. That makes sense? That's why we need to have gospel conversations. That's why we need to share our stories so that they can have a taste and get hungry and then they'll stop by for a bigger meal. And that's exactly what Jesus' disciples were doing. Jesus sent them out to give them a taste of how his gospel could heal their brokenness. And now everybody wanted to meet him. And when the crowd learned it, they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. I want you to notice something. They didn't have to beg people to go to church. Instead, people were seeking them out to get to Jesus. See, Jesus had something they wanted. Why? Because the disciples showed them Jesus in their own lives. They did this by taking what they had with them, which was not much. Remember, Jesus sent them out with nothing, without resources, but they took the Spirit of God that was in them to the people. Now, when the people came, what did Jesus do? He welcomed them. What do we need to do when people come here? If we're the church, your job is to what? Welcome them. Did you do it? When you got here today, did you do it? If you're not, you've been to a building. You're not yet in the church. <laughs> if we're going to be the church, you got to welcome. And it's okay if you didn't do it yet. There's time before you leave. You got to welcome everybody. Look to your right. Say hi. Look to your left. Say hi. Okay, start welcoming. Okay, our job is to welcome. Jesus welcomed everybody. It didn't matter what kind of sinner you are. He welcomed the religious sinners like the Pharisees. He welcomed the drunk sinners. He welcomed the prostitute sinners. He welcomed the tax collecting sinners. He welcomed the children sinners. Did you welcome the children sinners that are here? He, he welcomed. See, Jesus was a friend of sinners. See, real fishermen, they just love fish. If you're going to follow him, you need to love sinners. You got to go where sinners are. Now, disciples that come to this place to get a break from all the sinners and rest. But when they got there, they didn't get any rest. 
Mark says they were so busy dealing with all the people they could not even eat. I mean, Jesus had to get them on a boat to Bethesda to avoid the crowd. But the crowd ran ahead to find them. See, ministry, the ministry should be so booming because there's lots of sinners that need Jesus. Aren't there? They were so desperate, they ran ahead. Now, even though it was the disciples' vacay, Jesus saw them. He didn't send them away. He welcomed them. You know, this week with the youth event, you know, people kept coming into the last minute. And we thought, should we have had a cutout? No, we kept welcoming them. I didn't know we were going to get them there. We figured it out, right? We welcome people. Now, this, this story is told in all four of the Gospels. And, 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 and Mark shares Jesus' motivation for welcoming the crowd, even though his disciples were tired. It says this, when, when he went ashore, he saw the crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. That word compassion in the Greek is the word splagemizmai. It, it means to be moved to one's bowels with compassion. See, Jesus felt love in his guts. Ancient people thought that your, your emotions were in your, your guts. And, and when he saw the crowd, he just felt it in his guts. Beloved, I will always challenge you to follow and fish because I see so many broken lives outside of God's perfect design for their lives. And they are like sheep without a shepherd walking into destruction without Jesus. Beloved, how can we be silent no matter how tired we are when there is so much brokenness and people headed for their destruction? You know, Mark's gospel says Jesus taught them many things. And, and Luke tells us his focus, though, was the kingdom of God, his gospel. What everyone needs most is his gospel. That's where healing is. People are not healed by just coming to a church building and learning a moral teaching or receiving some free bread. They are healed when they receive the kingdom of God. When Jesus saw suffering people, he went to work because he, of his love. See, love was Jesus' highest motivation. Now, the disciples, on the other hand, they were tired. Their butts were dragging. They had been working hard in their ministry. And it was time now for a little vacay. And Jesus just kept pushing. Why? Because he loved the broken. There are times, friends, where I'm accused by people often in the church, for trying to do too much. Some often say it's spiritually like, Ken, we're being too ambitious for a small church. Uh, occasionally, it is said in love and concern for me, but sometimes it's said to cover their own fear or their lack of faith or their desire to do other things. I admit, I love gospel work. And I do have to be careful to rest and help others to rest. And I am a workaholic. 
And there was a time in my career life I was motivated by greed to work because of my selfish ambition for fortune and for fame. But honestly, now I work for love. The Holy Spirit keeps me agitated for the people out there. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said, send the crowd away and go to the surrounding villages and the countryside to find lodging and to get provision, for we are in a desolate place. Now the disciples, they were into it at first. They were into ministry at first because they were fishermen. They, they did love fish like Jesus. But the more tired they got, the more their compassion started to wear thin. And friends, that can happen to us all. It does. It happens to me. You know, there was a coach that I had in high school. And he used to tell us boys, fatigue makes cowards of us all. You know, disciples had seen Jesus command the wind and the waves. They had seen Jesus cast out a legion of demons. And now fish and bread are too big a problem for him. And their compassion simply evaporates. And they even ordered Jesus not to be compassionate. You're thinking too big, Jesus. And they say, send the crowd away. Jesus, you're too ambitious for our little ministry. We can't help all these people. Let the surrounding villages do it. Let, it's the government's problem. Let the big churches handle it. It's not for us. Let they do it whoever they are. Sometimes it actually seems maybe more loving and better for everyone involved if we just let the big guys do it, right? See, fatigue has made them fearful about their own resources. And they've lost sight of the purpose of their ministry, which was to bring people to Jesus. So they wanted to send them somewhere else where they wouldn't meet Jesus. Interesting, later, Peter says, where else would we go? Jesus, you have the words to eternal life. Oh, they have a great excuse, though. They are in a desolate place. No resources. That word desolate can mean lonely, deprived, deserted by others. And maybe at that moment, that's really how they felt. You know, it's easy to feel that way when we're doing ministry or in life. We can feel like no one else cares. And that we have minimal resources. You know, the big box church, the government, or some famous pastor, they can do it better. 
There's only 12 of these guys. Oh, wait, there was 13, wasn't there? Yeah, they forgot the identity of the most important one in their group, didn't they? And so do we, don't we? And that's why we often throw opportunities away. Because you plus Jesus is infinite power. Even if you feel like you're a zero, he'll be the hero. Amen? Beloved, rest is important. And God will provide a Sabbath to restore us. And Jesus is taking his disciples to a point of restoration. But this time they're going to have to push through their own limits to find that restoration. Maybe the problem was rest. The rest that they were looking for was in the wrong place. They were looking for rest in the comfort zone, not in Jesus. See, Bethsaida was the hometown of Peter, James, and John. And so maybe they just wanted to go home and chill in the fishing village. They wanted to be where things were comfortable and recharge and come back later and follow that Jesus guy. Sometimes when we're comfortable in our desolation, we don't really want to fish. We just want to hang out in the house of fish, and we don't want to share the house of fish with anybody. But because Jesus loves them, he wants more for them. He says, you give them something to eat. Well, that was not the answer they were expecting. Jesus, our little house of fish is only enough for us. It was, it was supposed to be our time of resting. You're the leader. It's your responsibility. You give them something to eat. And then you can just hear the grumbling. Who does this guy think he is? He must be kidding, right? Maybe Jesus just does not under, understand the situation here. Let's explain it to him. So scripture says, they said, we have no more than five loaves and, and, and two fish unless we go buy food for all these people, which is ridiculous. Because he knows we're just poor fishermen and we ain't got that kind of money. So we're off the hook, right? Jesus, why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me, Jesus? You give them something to eat. See, Jesus is teaching his disciples something really important. Caring, loving is not about your resources. It's about your heart. They are looking at people like consumers. If I can't afford it, I won't buy it. Jesus is teaching them ministry is about a burden of love first. And resources come to a caring heart. Most people look at things like accountants, counting people's sins and, and their resources of time and money and patience to help them. Jesus instead wants us to splodgemizomize, get burdened from the gut with a burden of love to help people. Regardless of our resources, Jesus wants to accept the burden to love. Ministry is not, can I, it's will I. 
Will I? Because God has the resources to help. And if our burden is strong enough, resources will be released. I'm going to admit one of my failings last year, and I hate to admit it, but when we started the Abundant Life program, my heart burden was tiny. I was looking at the available funds we had and what I thought we could do as a church. And thankfully, Nigel and, and Mike on our stewardship team had a bigger a bigger for the people in Malawi than I did. And then they said, Ken, we can do more. See, they had more faith in God's provision at that moment than I did. And so we made a commitment for more than I could imagine. And quickly, with just a handful of families, we raised $10,000. And through the ministry of Hands on Africa, we helped create a sustainable food program there that will go on for a long time. How many people are being fed by that right now, Andre? Huh? 87 people are being fed in Malawi because of Andre's faith and, and, and those guys' faith. But I, I didn't hear Jesus say at first, you feed them, Ken. But Nigel helped me hear that. See, we, we need to hear that voice. Their confident faith helped me hear it. It ignited a burden in my heart which caused me personally to give more than I could imagine and ask others to do the same. See, we could do, and we still could do abundantly more, even in that program, than we think right now. Verse 14 says, For there were about 5,000 men, and he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so. And had them all sit down. Jesus was like, I mean, <laughs> Nigel was like Jesus. Um, Jesus gave confidence to his disciples. He laid the burden on them, like he, Nigel did to me. He laid the burden on them. See, the need was great. The, the, the text says there were 5,000 men. And likely there were women and children, because culturally only the men would have been counting. But, but, but not only did it lay the burden, Jesus gives them the wisdom to accomplish it. See, I faltered for a moment with abundant life. But I know that there are other times when planting this church where the burden of all of it was bigger than I could Im- all imagine at once. But when I accepted the burden, Jesus all of a sudden helped me with the wisdom to break things down into manageable steps. And so... Looking at this hangry mob of 5,000 people was daunting to the disciples. But groups of 100, I'm sorry, groups of uh, 100 groups of 50 sitting on green grass, as Matthew said, seems possible. And now if you say each disciple has eight of them to service, that seems even more possible. And if you have the men feed their own wives and children, Man, I see a distribution plan started, don't you? That's workable. Now, the disciples could build the distribution network, but they had to do that in faith before they saw the reality of the supply, didn't they? Which requires real faith in the supplier. And they had to communicate that faith to a bunch of hangry people to go sit down in the grass. 
And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing over them. And then he broke the loaves and he gave it to the disciples to set before the crowd. Now I want you to see something really important here. Jesus could have just had bread fall from the sky from heaven and let the quail fall um, just like they did for the Israelites to feed these people. But instead, Jesus took what they had and he multiplied it. Before multiplying it, he gave thanks for it. He said a blessing over the meager rations that they had. And I think Jesus is teaching us something critical. If we're not thankful or faithful with what we have, why would our good father give us more? I think we really need to ask ourselves, are we thankful for the leaders God has given us? Or are we wishing for something better? Are we praising God for the people on our ministry teams? Or are we complaining about them? Are we thankful for the resources of time and money he has given us as a church body? Or are we full of complaint and excuse? Jesus took what they had. What seems logically pitiful compared to the need, he sat down and he thanked his father for it. God's word says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I want you to think about this. Do you praise God in your current resources, whatever they are? Do you praise him for your church family? Do you praise him for your community leaders? Do you praise him for your spouse? Do you praise him for your boss? Do you praise him for your home? Do you praise him for your children? Do you praise him for your health? Do you praise him for your food? Do you praise him for your friends? No matter how meager or well supplied your resources and those things are right now, or are you just looking for something better? Jesus did not look past what was there. He multiplied what was there. And beloved, I am thankful for that. Because that means he doesn't look past me. And he doesn't look past you. He doesn't look past me or you in our meager states. He multiplies us. If we will just be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. Then Jesus broke the bread and he blessed it and he gave it to the disciples. The bread and the fish went from his hands into the disciples' hands and then from the disciples' hands into the people's hands. And when they were out, they had to come back to him for more. Jesus created the bread, ex nihilo, out of nothing. Something only God can do. This was no trick. You can't divide up five loaves of bread and only two fish into small enough portions for 5,000 people plus. As the disciples, they took it from his hands and more was produced out of nothing. And once they delivered it, they came back. And he had more to give them. 
The job of the disciples was not to hoard up the supply for themselves. It was to simply come and serve it up fresh, what he gave them from his hand to hungry people. Beloved, that is each of our job if we are going to be the church. To come to Jesus, to receive from him daily. That is following him. And then go and distribute what we have been given to hungry people in the world. That is fishing. With only 12 people coming to Jesus and distributing the way they did, more than 5,000 people got fed. Can you imagine what we could do with 71 of us doing that every day? There's a verse in Ephesians 3.20 that says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Friends, Jesus can make stuff out of nothing. We are only limited, or we are the only thing limiting what he can do in this church. Do you realize that? Scripture says he is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Yes, we get tired. Yes, we all go through losses. Yes, sometimes it feels like we are in a desolate place. But if we keep coming to him and we keep thanking him for whatever we have, he can multiply it. Because he made us, and he made everything out of nothing. There is no loss that he cannot overcome, for there is nothing impossible with God. And we have to remember that. We have to remember that, because we can easily forget it. You know, that same group of 12 apostles, just a few days later, we're having an argument about where they were going to go to get some bread. <laughs> Duh, you have the bread maker with you. Right? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Friends, our problem is we forget to come back to him in the problems of life. He is the solution to all our need. We all end up in desolate places when we forget to come back to him. And when we forget to share what we have, whatever, however meager it is, with others. And when we start fearfully complaining. You know, often people complain that they don't have the time 
to follow and to fish. Let me be really practical. If Jesus can make something out of nothing, that includes time. So if you don't have time to follow and fish, it's really not a matter of time. It's a matter of heart burden. It's not about the resource of time. Take up this challenge. Set your alarm 15 minutes early tomorrow. Spend time loving God. Read the first chapter of Mark if you don't know what to read. And pray for 15 minutes. And do that every day this week. And see if God doesn't multiply your time. Jesus said, take first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all other things will be added I've seen that to be true in my life. When I gave him the first part of my time, he multiplied my days. Many say, I don't have time to fish, and I don't have time to make disciples because I have a job, and I have a family, and I have all these kids' activities. Then thank God for all those wonderful blessings and ask him to open your eyes to the opportunities and all of that. And then dedicate two meals a week to fishing. You got to eat, don't you? Everybody here eats. I eat a lot. You can tell. So you probably do it 21 times a week at least like me. Invite new people into those activities twice a week. To to your dinner, to your lunch, to your breakfast, to coffee, to dessert. You're eating anyways. Just share that with somebody from all those activities you do all the time that are keeping you so busy. And then when you're there doing that, listen for brokenness. And be ready to pray or share a gospel conversation with them. Give them what you have and then come back to Jesus for more each day. Friends, fishing is not that hard. Don't make it hard. It's fun. I was on a boat having fun with some friends last night. I was fishing. It's fun. Share what you have received. Distribute the bread. Be the church. Don't just hang out in the house of fish clubs talking about the big one that got away. The last verse of our text says this. And they all ate, and they were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up. Twelve baskets of broken pieces. Now the word satisfied here in the Greek is the word fertazo, which means to be gorged or to be filled. They didn't all just have a little snack. See, if you if you trust Jesus, he's not going to go just part way. He's going to fill you up. The problem of us is most of us think lack. We think budget. But Jesus doesn't think that way. What did Jesus promise if we will trust in him? Abundant life. When you can produce stuff out of nothing, resources are not a problem. Jesus did not come to this earth concerned for resources. He knew his father had that covered. He came to this earth for people, for us. That was his concern. The night before... He was betrayed. He broke bread and he gave thanks, knowing his disciples would betray him. 
and that he would be killed. And yet he thanked his father. He had more concern for people than for himself. And in the garden, he sweat blood, knowing the price that he would have to pay in that desolate and lonely place. Yet he surrendered his will for the love he had for us and the love he had for his father. And as he was beaten and as he was mocked and as he hung on the cross, he did not complain and he did not cry out. His concern and his compassion was upon us. And he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And he died. He said, it was finished. He satisfied fully, completely, abundantly, running over onto the floor, all the debt for my sin and for your sin, for all sin, all past, all present, all future. It is finished. Remember, 12 baskets were left over. Both the disciples and 5,000 plus people, maybe 10 to 15,000 people were stuffed to the guilt. Think of the analogy. Our bread of life, the one who makes things out of nothing, his righteousness was so great that it doesn't matter how desolate you are, how weak or pitiful you come to him in your sin. He can fill you to overflowing with his grace, making you whole and new again. Let me ask you, if his soul love, if his love is that great that he would be beaten and die for you. Why? Why, brothers and sisters, would you stay desolate and see the world from a perspective of lack and shrink in fear? Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? See, Jesus did more abundantly than dying for us. Three days later, he walked out of the grave today put your faith in him he's done what nobody else can do come and follow him come and fish with him come and know abundant and everlasting life and live in abundance with him let us pray father god i thank you and I praise you for your goodness to us. You have more than enough love and mercy to cover all of our sin. You are gracious and good. And you have planned from the foundation of this world to bless us through your Son, to redeem us, to bless us in your beloved. Father, if there's anybody here today that has not received your forgiveness, not received your mercy, that feels that they are in a desolate place, let them receive your love today. Through the power of your Holy Spirit today, let them turn from their sin. 
Let them know your forgiveness. Let them know everlasting life. Strengthen them and encourage them. Let them know your peace. Whether they're at home right now, watching online, or whether they're here in this place, or watching in the future. Lord, you can make something out of nothing. Lord, use my words, use the little that I'm able to do to do something amazing. Take what's dead and make it alive forever. Father, use the little that we have. Thank you for it. All the skills and the abilities of Crosswinds Church to do abundantly more than what we can think or what we can imagine. Thank you for what you've done in us so far. But Father, do more because there's so much more need out there. Father, help us to feed more with your gospel. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today, if you'd like to pray as Jeremy sings, I'll be here to pray with you. If you'd like to give your life to Christ, if you'd like to commit your life to following him and being baptized, come and talk and pray with me. Thank you.